The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters to me? Well, I'm going to tell you what matters to me since this is the first time that I am back in the studio since I had a chance to take a trip down to, that's right, that state called Texas and visited that stadium known as AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Jerry's World, to watch the Ohio State Buckeyes win the first official college football playoff championship and become the national champions of college football. Man, that's what matters to me. The Ohio State Buckeyes are national champions. And since this is kind of a, a down week in football, give me, give me a little chance to absorb the moment. I didn't get a chance to absorb the moment. I think I'm entitled to that. I like the big boy show. Skip Bayless has a team. So my... Ohio State Buckeyes are national champions. So I, you know, don't hate, appreciate the fact that they were tested and they they played the best teams out there and they won. And so I'm happy for them. I, I'm just a fan uh, who's happy to be a fan of the team that won the first college football playoff championship, and that is the Ohio State University Buckeyes. Congratulations to to all the young men that participated uh, in practice. Uh, those that participated in the game, uh, those who, you know, whether it was special teams, uh, whether it was offense, defense, the coaches, uh, the staff, everybody, the, 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 the trainers, um, of course, uh, you always want to, uh, the weightlifting guys, everybody, the entire program, the administration, um, congratulations to, to Archie. Uh, to Gene Smith, to, to everybody, Coach Meyer, just congratulations to all of them. An outstanding job. And, and I, I think they, they handled it uh, in such a way where, of course, they were aware of the fact that uh, everybody was there expecting them not to win. And, of course, they were victorious. But I, I think that I am not the only person who is happy about the fact that uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes are the national, championships, uh, are the national champions for the first time. Um, I also believe that... Uh, that there's someone else who perhaps maybe will be joining us, and uh, Chef Julian may be joining us a little bit later, and, and, and he has his own opinion about the national championship game, uh, the way it turned out, how uh, the Buckeyes were able to come out. And, and, you know, there's this thing out there that everybody, well, I'm not going to say everybody, but historically statistics have shown that if you win the turnover game, then you're going to win the game. If, if you obviously turn the ball over, less times than the other team, then historically and statistically, you normally win the game. We know that's not always true. 
It happened twice. And some of the most important games that it possibly could happen. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and turn the ball over and understand and think that perhaps maybe you're going to come back and win the game. I, I, would, I wouldn't play that card if I were you. I would hold on to the ball. I would take care of the ball. But we, we, we saw that happen in college football. And then, of course, we saw it happen in the, in the um, NFC Division Championship game. People are just, for some reason or another, you know, turning the ball over and, and costing you field position. But there's this thing out there to call defense. And they've always said it, that defense wins championships. The bottom line, if you can stop the other team from scoring more points than you, you win the game. Just, you know, whatever God so how many points you get, just stop them from getting more than what you have. And you'll win the game. So the turnover still has to equate and turn into points. If the results of the turnover does not put you in a position where you come out with touchdowns instead of field goals or no points whatsoever, then you're not going to win. And I, I think it was clearly when you watched both teams, when we, now we're talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes defense and we're talking about the Seattle Seahawks defense, they played extremely well. When they found themselves in the midst of adversity that you got the ball in the, in the red zone, you know, the ball's in, in, in your side of the field, and they just have a short distance to go. But them Ohio State Buckeyes, man, Ezekiel Elliott, beast mode in college football, really? <laughs> it was good to see that. And I'm not talking about three yards in the cloud of dust because my man was not running for three yards. It was, it was, you know, the only thing that had was resemblance of, of Coach Hayes. Shout out to Coach Hayes up in heaven. I told y'all he's going to be looking, looking down and smiling. Shout out to my mom up there. I told you my mom was going to be looking down at them other parents down there that made it to the game. And she would be happy. But I will tell you this, that that wasn't the old three yards in the cloud of dust. That was about, you know, 10, 15 yards per chunk. And a cloud of dust, but there's no dust now because this game was indoor. But as I said, I told you there was somebody else who enjoyed that victory as much as I did, and that was Chef Julian. Chef Julian's on the line with us. Chef Julian, I'm sure you enjoyed watching those Ohio State Buckeyes as they were victorious against those Oregon Ducks. Am I right about that? Oh, man, nothing made me happier. Uh, everybody, around Ohio, everybody around here have been, I, like, going crazy about this title game. I saw people wearing 2015 National Championship uh, shirts before they even won. And, like, that shows you that we were, that fans were confident in this team ever since, I think, ever since that Wisconsin team, uh, since we beat that Wisconsin team, I think that's when Ohio fans were so confident in we can uh, go all the way and win this title. And I think if it wasn't for Wisconsin and their defense being so good, second in the nation, I don't think they would have gave us that number four spot. Yeah, I, I think that the performance against Wisconsin certainly justified the fact that Ohio State belonged to be in the conversation when it came to the national championship. And the fact that, that people are talking about TCU, if I'm not mistaken, TCU lost to Michigan State, and I believe the Ohio State Buckeyes beat Michigan State. So that's justified. I, I don't think we have to, to justify you know, our right to be there. It's a performance in which these young men displayed 
on game day, the confidence in which they, they, they played with. I think their composure was there the entire time. Yeah, there was a few turnovers, but I don't ever think that they, they felt rattled. I don't ever felt that they, I, I didn't feel as I was sat there in the stadium actually watching the game. And, and, and I, that was just, again, one of the greatest events that I've ever been to in life. First one ever that ever happened at the Division I uh, college football. But in the stadium, you know, sometimes you can feel when things are turned, when momentum is changing, when when the tide is kind of shifting and, and the other team is now getting momentum. Not one time when Ohio State turned the ball over was there a sense that, wow, if we keep turning this ball over, we're going to lose. It was never that. So there was a sense of confidence, not only with the fans prior to the game, I think the team came in with the confidence that whatever we find ourselves in, whatever position we find ourselves in, if it's adversity, whatever it is, that we're prepared to deal with it and, and to conquer that moment and that situation. So, you know, many times when, when we did turn the ball over, Oregon didn't always get points. They didn't get touchdowns off of those turnovers. And, and I think that was a, a confidence builder for not only the defense, but for the entire team. What do you think as you watch that? Did you feel any of that? Uh, yes, I feel that after we beat, uh, after Ohio State beat Alabama, I think that Ohio State players they walked with us with a, a bit of a pep in their step. You know, they walked with a, with a little swagger in their step. And you can there were there were other correspondents from ESPN that were saying that they were on the sidelines and there was a uh, punt team that was coming on and their punt returner was like, hey, I'm going to take this to the house. They had this sort of confidence in them the entire game and they never got rid of it even if, even when uh, Oregon looked like they were coming back and were going to win and were going to uh, take the lead, they did not stop with the confidence and uh, they just took it all the way. Yeah, I was pretty happy with, uh, as you mentioned, you know, the special teams play. I, you know, I was happy with all aspects of the game. I understand, again, I didn't see the game on television that uh, some people felt, you mentioned some ESPN correspondents, that uh, there were perhaps maybe some people that were personalities of ESPN that were somewhat biased as it relates to Ohio State. I don't know if it was their opinions or if it was their actions. And, and I think that might have been Eddie George and, and, and maybe uh, Joey Galloway. I'm not sure. But I, I heard something to that effect. But I mean, but listen, as I said, on the big boy show, Skip embraces his San Antonio Spurs. He embraces and acknowledges that he is a Dallas Cowboy fan and he wants these teams to do well. But he'll still give you his professional opinion. But he will acknowledge the fact his heart. He leads with his heart when he talks about those teams. So I don't know what the issues were with those ESPN correspondents, but I think they're all, everybody's human, and, and I think it's okay for, I, I can give you my personal opinion, but deep down in my heart, I'm a Buckeye, and, and I'm going to always speak in such a way that I hope that my team would win, but I'm also going to give you my professional opinion, now, I, you know, because I think I need to do that, and they need to do that, because people expect to hear our professional opinions, but if those guys did anything in terms of taunting or any of that stuff, I, I could understand that might be taking it a bit too far. But I, but that swagger that you said that you mentioned uh, about those Ohio State players, I think it comes with. And I'm gonna now I'm going to uh, talk about coaching. It comes with coaching. If the coaches have the guys prepared to play, then you 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 have that confidence because you feel 
comfortable in what you're expected and asked to do. And you could do it with confidence that the coach is giving you the right game plan. So I think a lot of that had to do with them watching film, being prepared, and seeing in the situations where the coaches anticipate those things would happen, actually seeing those things happen when the coaches said they would happen, then you know everything is in place and you're all on the same page and this is a great game plan and you can play with confidence. So I think Urban Meyer did a great job of getting the guys prepared as well. Do you think Urban did a great job preparing the guys? Oh, oh definitely. He did, he did a phenomenal job getting them prepared. Uh, both games, the Alabama game and the uh, and the Oregon game. But the thing I like, well, like, like as you said, the coaching. I feel like there shouldn't be anybody prouder of themselves than that offensive line. They did a tremendous job. When you think they gave up seven sacks against a Virginia Tech, a team that went six and six, and I'm pretty sure they didn't even get in the bowl. If they did, I think they lost. Uh, that team, they evolved through the entire, entire process of this season, and it's full, of, it's full of freshmen. And that's the thing with this team and everything. They're full of freshmen, which is phenomenal. Freshmen and sophomores, uh, they're starting quarterback, who was going to be starting quarterback, uh, Braxton Miller, was, was a junior, and that was the highest, highest that uh, really anybody had on the team. There was no really, like, superior classmen like juniors and seniors. It was mostly freshmen and sophomores, and that's why people are having them in the AP as number one this year. I'll tell you what, Julian, we're going to take a break, Chef Julian, on that note right there, and we're going to come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about that. There were some young men, and I mean young in terms of, you know, the amount of experience that they had, but they performed extremely well. Coaches did a great job. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All 
right, you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters is the Ohio State Buckeyes are the first ever college football playoff champions in the Division I. Man, that sounds good to say that. I am so happy to say that. I'm also happy to be speaking with Chef Julian. Chef Julian, we're going to get back to what's cooking there in the Hall of Fame city, and that is uh, I like the fact that you acknowledge that the coaches, you know, was working with a very, I'm going to say young line, not necessarily inexperienced, but but a young offensive line. I'm sure the guys have gotten some playing time, you know, the year before, and some guys are in the lineup for the first time. Uh, but this was an all, you know, offensive line uh, that, you know, was able to deliver um, a running back to a record uh, in terms of the amount of rushing uh, yardage and a championship game. And, and, and both uh, the line and Ezekiel will be back uh, next year. And as you said, uh, there are a lot of people that have already, um, you know, started challenging the Buckeyes to a repeat of next year. Now, I can tell you that's something that's extremely hard to do. Back-to-back national champions. I, I think the last time I think USC may have done something similar to that uh, back under the Pete Carroll uh, era. But... Um, that's an awful lot for them to start thinking about. But again, that's what you have to do right away. You have to get right back, celebrate for a while, and then you start thinking about next year's goals uh, because next year's team is a different team. It's the 2015 Buckeyes. So with all the quarterbacks coming back, the offensive line coming back, um, you know, a good portion of the running backs coming back, uh, you know, I, the receivers coming back, uh, it looks like a good team. On the defense, you're, you may lose a couple guys, but <coughs> – Excuse me. It appears that uh, the Buckeyes are in a great position, um, certainly to be favored for the Big Ten uh, championship next year. But let's let's just stay in that game for a, a second before we go further. And uh, let's talk about that offensive line, because uh, I feel that the offensive line really, I think they manhandled. I mean, you saw some of the replays there in the screen uh, when I was in the stadium. And, and they were taking, I mean, they were pushing guys way off the line. Uh, they were piling on them. Uh, did it look like the line was opening up huge holes to you? <coughs> when, I, when I saw this offensive line for Ohio State, it just reminded me of the movie The Blind Side. When you see uh, the guy who played Michael Orr, he, he just was so nervous in that first game. His coach backed him up, and it changed his whole mentality for the rest of the game. And he beat that guy in front of him almost every play to the point where the guy limped off the field, sat on the bench, and was like, I'm not playing anymore. And that, that's what I felt like with this offensive line. I felt like this, this offensive line, they got behind this coach, and they just beat up the, these defensive linemen to the point where Ezekiel Elliott ran for records in the Big Ten championship game, the Sugar Bowl, and the national championship game. And this team, this the offensive line, even even against Oregon, you saw like three or four of the uh, uh, defensive linemen just walking off the field, dog tired. They just tired these defensive linemen out ever for the last three games, and uh, it's just it was just amazing to see. Yeah, now you know it's interesting you bring up about another good point because again I was in the stands and I was able to point out to a couple of my good friends that I was at the game with. The fact that when those defensive linemen 
for the University of Oregon came off the field, you are right. They, it was very obvious that they were tired. And, and I, I believe that that offensive line just, you know, beat them up and beat them up. And, and there was a gentleman I was at the game with, Guy Troop, shout out to Guy, uh, who is supposed to be joining me, perhaps he may later. Um, Guy said, as a matter of fact, <coughs> excuse me, traveled to Dallas and picked up a little bit of cold there. But Guy said that they just need to just keep pounding the ball because it was obvious that they could not stop the run. And, and I think, you know, it's one thing about when you – and people always say you establish the run so it sets up the pass. But very few times do, do people ever um, suggest not to run the ball. I mean, running does so much for you. And then when you pass the ball, there's so many things that could happen that are against you. But running is always in your favor. But certainly, Ohio State was able to pound the ball – and I think because everybody in the stands knew the same play they were going to run and they couldn't stop it. That, that's how come, you know, and that, when, that, when games like that happen, then it's, 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 it's the design of the running play of which other people are interested in finding out how you execute that play. But it also is the time where other people will look at your position players and try to duplicate that type of offensive line for themselves. And Ohio State has always been known to have big, strong offensive linemen, and you witnessed that uh, by the big fella, Orlando Pace, who was on the field pregame as they celebrate the toss of the game. So I I just think that, again, I gave a shout-out to Woody Hayes. It wasn't really that three yards in a cloud of dust. It was like nine yards in a cloud of dust, except the dust wasn't there because the game was inside. But the running game... And when we needed to pass the ball, when we needed to pass the ball, the, the big fella, number 12, was delivering it on time. You know, he had, I think, one interception, well, the fumble, uh, that which, you know, of course, it looked like the same thing that Jemison did. But other than that, I thought Jones played a, a very good game, too. What would you think about Jones's play in the game? <coughs> they, well, they called him 12-gauge for a reason, and he threw, that, he threw that ball like a shotgun like a bullet coming out of a shotgun. He just, he was able to find his receivers in the tightest amount of spaces and get them the ball quick, and they caught it, and they got, got first downs. He, if they had a third down situation, they knew that he was, he was passing it or they were running it, and they couldn't stop either. Cordell Jones didn't set up the game. Ezekiel Elliott set up the game with the running, but Cordell Jones ended this game with his passing. And then he uh, fed it to the big guy, and he just kept getting touchdowns. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I, I was, again, I couldn't be more proud than a young man to play the game. And the thing about it, just as you, you mentioned about the consecutive uh, records in rushing, this young man, each week he got better. Each one of those games, from the Wisconsin game, from the Michigan game to the Wisconsin game, you know, and, and, and then he went into the Alabama game. And, and then, of course, he got a chance to come into that national championship game. And he, he just played with such composure. It, he did not look as if, and this is where I disagree with many people, uh, because I don't understand why there are people out there, particularly people that are in the football business, that are surprised to see a third-string quarterback, as they call them, perform like he's a first-string quarterback. You don't recruit third-string quarterbacks. You recruit starting quarterbacks who just so happen to get their time to play 
at different times of their career. But you shouldn't expect a quarterback or any position to step on the field and play like he's, you know, a third-string person. You recruited that person, I hope, to be a starter. So if, if that's the way you recruit, it shouldn't be a difference. I, I had the, the privilege to visit my dear friend Rod Gerald in his home. Uh, when I was there in Dallas, and and I told Rod, I said, Rod, you know the thing about it, man. First of all, he was one of the your best players I've ever seen play college football, particularly at that quarterback position. And when I was at Canton McKinley High School, and and I had a chance to go visit Ohio State, when when Ohio State would get ahead, they would take Cornelius Green out, and they would put Rod Gerald in. But if you went to the restroom and came back, and and nobody told you that they have switched quarterbacks and you couldn't tell by the numbers, you would swear that this was the same quarterback, but he got a little bit quicker. But, but it looked like a starting quarterback. He did not look like a backup quarterback. And of course, he went on to become a real good quarterback. So I'm, I'm just not going to accept the fact that you put somebody in the game because somebody else got hurt and, and it's justification to say they're throwing the towel because he's our second or our third string quarterback or our second or our third string corner or our second or our third string whatever. You recruit and you draft players to be starters. I would. And those people that do, they do a good job and I think they win. If you notice, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, you know, after this break, look at Bill Belichick up in the New England Patriots uh, organization. You know, how many of those people uh, was on Bill's team, you know, the last time they went to the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't think very many of them other than Tom Brady and a couple other guys, uh, but he continues to replace players and put people in there that can perform at the highest level. And I think that's the way you recruit. I want to shout out to the young man Miller, too, from Kent McKinley High School, uh, who got a chance to play in the national championship game and had a good game. So uh, what do you think about that, Julie? Do you really think that when you put a third quarter, third string, as they call them, quarterback into the game, you should throw the hat in as if the game's over because they got their first string? We got our third string quarterback in? Uh, no, no. Like you said, they recruit starting quarterbacks. They don't recruit backups. This is the this is NCAA. This isn't the NFL. You don't get you don't get uh, NFL quarterbacks. You don't get quarterbacks on your team just so they could sit on the bench and watch their franchise quarterback throw deep balls for touchdowns every game. You don't do that for for college. You get a quarterback that you think can back this guy up, and if this guy gets hurt, he can come in and lead this team to victory. Now, I want to go back to two years ago. Johnny Menzel, he won the uh, Heisman Trophy, and he wasn't even the best quarterback on their team. He wasn't even the number one quarterback before the season started. And he ended up going on to win the Heisman Trophy. And that's another thing. thing. Uh, The same thing with J.C. Barrett. He wasn't even the the starting quarterback on the team. He went on to become first team on the All-American team. Uh, that just shows you that college is different from the NFL. You're not you're not going uh, out to get a backup quarterback just so you can sit the bench. You're going there to so if he is ready, he can go out there and lead the team to victory. And that, and, that, and that's a great point, Julian, because you're right about that. In the National Football League, uh, for some reason I don't know why, it, it appears to be that the National Football League is afraid of, of competition when it comes to the quarterback position. You don't draft or you don't trade for another guy that you think 
could possibly compete with the guy that you have for a starting position. It's as if his his state of his mental state of mind is so fragile that how dare you bring somebody in here to compete for my job? Whereas in college, you are recruiting at least the Ohio State University is recruiting five star players. So everybody on the roster is a five star player. So everybody on the roster, if they ever get in the game, they're expected to perform at the highest level, and there should be no drop off. As a matter of fact, it should be an upgrade in my opinion because that's what happens sometimes when a starter goes down and his replacement steps in he doesn't get that job back I'm speaking from my own experience not to brag but to say when you get that chance you don't want to be taken out you don't want to you don't want to go back on that bench it was my sophomore year uh, and it was before the first game and 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 a starter got hurt and I was the next man up and I never went back to the bench because I all I wanted was a chance. Just give me a chance. I'll da- don't don't I dare you to give me a chance because if you give me a chance, I'm going to prove to you that you've made a mistake by not having me in here prior to this. So, man, I agree with you on that, Chef Julie. So what we're going to do? We're going to take a break. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got Chef Julian on with me from the Hall of Fame City, and we will be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. That music you know we show is the real sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my man Chef Julian on with me from the Hall of Fame City. We are both extremely pleased. What matters to us is the fact that the Ohio State Buckeyes are college football's national champions, and so we're happy about that. We want to move on. <clears throat> We want to move on. We want to talk a little bit about the next level, and that next level is uh, pro football. 
and uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there like this. I, I have to do this because I I played in both the NFC and the AFC. Got a chance to play in the playoffs in both the NFC and the AFC. Of course, in the AFC, I got a chance to play in two AFC championship games. However, we were unsuccessful. We don't want to talk about what they were, who they were against, and all that stuff. I want to talk about effort. And, and the reason why I want to talk about effort is because, see, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the New England game because you don't show up to an AFC championship game where you are mm, that far away from the biggest stage in sports, the Super Bowl, and, sh- and play like the Colts played. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm struggling with that cold I picked up in Dallas. Yeah, wow. But anyway... How do you do that? How, you, you can't sleep with yourself. You, you can't, you, you, you can't, you, you got to do something else. You want to go someplace, you want to hide. You know, it's just, it's just something that's just not right about the performance. You know, it, it's just, it, how can all of you play that bad? Because the entire team has to play that bad for you to show up and with, uh, end up with a score like, I don't even remember what the, what the score was. It was that bad. I turned off. A championship game. Who turns off a championship game? Really? I'm so disappointed. And 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 and, and the Colts. Oh, they, you know, you should have let somebody else go. I mean, because if the game is over before you show up, then don't go. You know, Herman said that's why you play the game. You played the game to win. But did they really play the game to win? So I, I may come back a little bit, but I want to spend more time on what people want to spend more time on is, listen, if you, it's like this. At least give the people the price of the ticket in terms of your performance. Give them that much. They take the time out of their day. Give them that much. The effort should be such that they see that you're giving that much, that you're scratching, you're crawling, you're diving, you're doing everything you possibly can. Because that's what, that's what fans do. They, 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 they try every simple thing they can to make themselves available to watch that game, to spend money, you know, to buy a ticket to those games. The, the, that's what the fans want you to try as hard on the field as they try to get their tickets or they try to get home or, or, or adjust their schedule so they can watch the games. Don't give them no championship game like that ever again, AFC. Or NFC, yours was great. That, that, that was great. We don't talk about that. But AFC, just don't do that. that don't do that. Now, let's talk, Chef Julian, let's talk about, listen. And I want to say this about Russell Wilson. And I want to say this about the Seattle Seahawks before I go any further. About the, the tweet that they put out about Martin Luther King's celebration. Yeah, the man was crying. And, and, and the quote that, that they had about Dr. King was such that I, I guess some people took offense and so much so that they took it from their sight. And, and, and I don't think they should have done that. Because I'm of a different opinion because, you know, you know with Dr. King and, and the civil rights movement, you know, it was, for, it was for, for human beings to live like decent citizens and have the opportunity to do anything and everything that every other citizen had the right to do. Whether it was, what was it, live, walk, breathe, you know, eat, drink, you know, work. And, and, and so that meant all industries. So for them, so for somebody to say that you trivialized Dr. King's message by attaching it to a sporting event, 
You must not know about Cookie Gilchrist. You must not know that Russell Wilson, he, those tears of joy is such that, man, you know what? He, he, he knows what some of the criticisms that, he, that people you know, throw in his direction. He knows that he's a man of color and men of color haven't won very many Super Bowls and when they get into FC Championship games. You know, Dr. King had to fight because guess what? Men of color couldn't play that position before. Now, he's, he's, I think he's biracial, I'm not sure, but still, he's, he's got some color in his blood. And so the fact that they equated, you know, his challenge on the football field to, to Dr. King, it's like, you know, it's almost like Dr. King is saying to him, well, you know, Russell, there's not very many black quarterbacks, so if they ever let you play the position, can you please at least do it some honor? Can you at least be good at it? Because I'm fighting to get a black man to play quarterback, and, you know, if you're no good, then I can't, I can't fight for you. So, and, and whereas before they were just written off because of the color of their skin. So, don't, hey, guys, don't, don't be afraid to say something that's truthful. You know, Russell Wilson, you know, was he thinking about the fact that he was a black quarterback? No, he wasn't. But when he's at home alone by himself and he's thinking about some things and he's thinking about how he's judged, I'm sure he's thought about that in the past. So, listen, it's Dr. King's birthday. Russell, that, that, that comment that they tweeted next to his photograph, that was okay. So, let's move on. So, let, let me say this. Chef Julian. <laughs> The performance by Russell Wilson, you know, I think he had a less than a, a, a five-point quarterback rating going into, like, the last half of that fourth quarter. And then, the, all of a sudden, the confidence that this man has always displayed, things start going his way. Now, watching that game, I want to go back, if I could, to the beginning of the game, and Aaron Rodgers and also the Green Bay Packers, you talked about the line of the Ohio State Buckeyes getting things done, it appeared to me that Aaron Rodgers, for one, some of his passes mm, weren't, you know, 100% on the money. And, and the defense was quite well, too. But, but the offensive line wasn't getting it done. Did you, did, did you feel that the offensive line wasn't doing their job when you got short yardage and they, they can't get the running back enough room that he can get a first down or get a touchdown? Uh, absolutely. I put that right on the uh, offensive line. That's your job to create a hole and get that. And if that, if you create your hole and that running back doesn't get that much yardage, that's on that running back. But if you create, if you don't create that hole and that running back just runs into a, into a wall of just football players, you're, that's not, that's not getting done. That's, that's on, that's on the offensive line. That is not on the running back. And I, you know, I, I, you know, listen, I agree the first time with the turnover and, and Green Bay got the ball down inside the five yard line. I'm talking about after they moved it, you know, a couple times uh, after the turnover and, and they were in a position, I think, to kick a field goal, even though it was inside. It was, I think it was inside the five yard line. I agree. Take the points. But the second and third time <clears throat> that you're in the red zone due to a turnover, you can't keep kicking field goals. I, I'm sorry. You, you, gotta, you, you now have to take that chance and go for it. You don't, you know, because when you kick two field goals, instead you come out with 14 points, you know, you come out with six points. That's a difference of eight points. <coughs> that was a difference in the ball game. So, I, you know, I'm going to say, and I don't, I, I don't even remember the guy's name, who, of course, Bostic, I think his name was, was a guy that, that missed 
uh, the onside kick because he didn't do his assignment. But I don't like the fact that the coaches wanted to throw him under the bus. How do you throw him under the bus when he never should have been in that position if everybody else did their job when the entire offensive line should have done their job earlier in the game? You should have never been in that position where you're now trying to secure an onside kick. Yeah, he made, he, he made a mistake. He was wrong. That, that, no, and he, as a player, did what he should have did. He embraced the fact that he made the mistake, which cost his team the game. But the coach should have said, our offensive line did not do their job. Our offensive line, there's no way you have offensive linemen. I mean, years ago, I'm sorry, but anything that was third and three or less, it's a short yardage, and everybody knows it's mono on mono. Now, if it's third and two, they feel like offensive linemen can't even, you got to pass the ball. That is crazy. That, that is crazy. The Ohio State Buckeyes, and I'm going to shout them out. It might be college football. But it's still about mano on mano, and they were willing to take that chance. They did it every time. We we moving them out the way, and we getting that yard or two. And I just could not believe that the Green Bay Packers could not believe that they could run the ball and get a yard or two. So, I, you know, I, I I think they played not to win, so they did not win. That's what I feel. I'm happy that Seattle got a chance to go forward. Throw another Buckeye in there. Okay, okay I'm, I'm, I'm on this Buckeye thing today, right? Pete Carroll's got a little bit of history there with The Ohio State University. One year, that's all you need. It, it, it affects you for the rest of your life. And, and he did get a chance. But, but Pete Carroll, you play according to the man who leads you. And I see the Seattle Seahawks playing football like their leader. What do you think about Pete Carroll as a leader? Uh, I think he's a great leader. And uh, one thing that you, you saw, you saw a quarterback who was struggling and Russell, and he didn't make any, he didn't make any changes because he knew Russell Wilson had this game and he was going to do it. That shows you how much, how much respect he has for his quarterback and how, how loyal he is to his quarterback. He didn't make any changes to the offense. He said, all right, we're going to run the ball more. We got to, we got to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. We got to do do this. You got to run different routes. No, he knew that Russell Wilson was going to make it happen, and that just shows you how how much he just trusts his quarterback, and that just shows you how much good of a coach he really is. And I and I agree with you, man. And the fact that Russell Wilson, when they came down to it, it was it was. Some people may say that Russell is a, is, a, is a running quarterback. Russell Wilson really reminds me of Fran Tarkenton way before your time, Chef Julian. But Fran Tarkenton reminds me of Russell Wilson. But the fact of the matter is, when it was time, when the game was on the line, when they came out and needed to score, he put that ball in Russell Wilson's hands. Russell started off running. Then he started throwing. And the thing about it is he just showed his ability his abilities as a complete quarterback. He ran when the game was online when he needed to and got what he needed. And then he used his arm when he needed to and he got what he needed. And so for that, I'm happy for Pete Carroll. I'm happy for Russell Wilson. And I'm just going to read this quote to you. The quote where it was on Facebook, it said this. It says, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. And Russell was in tears, and it's a quote from Dr. King. But that just, Russell, Russell had to take those first steps in his life. Russell probably would embrace that and say that fits his life. 
and Pete Carroll, he took them step, that first step in faith. He played that man as his quarterback. And because of that man taking faith in that quarterback as the best quarterback for his football team, a man of color, honoring Dr. King, there's nothing wrong with that. So they're going to go on. They're going to play New England Patriots. And I tell you what, I like Coach Belichick. I love Coach Belichick. You get from him what you see in him. He's a damn good coach, and I'm, I'm glad the fact there's two Patriot coaches going up against each other. Can't wait to talk about that next week, Chef Julius. So you be sure to join me, and you out there, you be sure to join us as well. I believe the show is about to end, so I'll tell you what, I'll see you next time, which will be the best. I got another 15 minutes, so the show is not going to end. Well, hey, is this clock right here right? I believe it is. I tell you what, we're not going to end. We're going to take that break. We have 15 minutes left, but we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Form or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, I'm back. Hey, it's another week, right? This last week's show was over with 15 minutes ago, 15 seconds ago. Now I'm back. <laughs> you know, it's the Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like a matter. Hey, that happens. I'm, I'm checking some notes here. I'm, I'm on my iPad. I'm going back and forth with Chef Julian, and I got ahead of myself. So I've got some more time to, to give Pete Carroll some more credit. And, and then I do want to give Bill Belichick some more credit, too, uh, because... You know, part of the reason why we got the beatdown that we saw by the New England Patriots to the Indianapolis Colts is because that man on that sideline, that hooded one. Yes, uh, Belichick is who he is. And you know, like, they, like what did Denny Green say? You know, they are who they thought they were. Yeah, exactly. Belichick is who you think he is or who you thought he was. That's him. If there's ever a coach in the NFL that kind of has a poker face, it's him. You, 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 there's game plan. You know, now, now, on the other hand, Pete Carroll, you know, Pete's going to show some emotion. You, you're not going to really get that emotion from Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick's team is, is, is going to show up and they're going to be ready. You don't ex- ever expect to see an unprepared Belichick team. You know, in fact, I think if you check the record of Bill Belichick here, 
in the past few years, I doubt if Bill has ever lost, you know, in a season. I doubt if he's ever lost, you know, three, four games, three games by double digits. I, I doubt. I don't know if, you know, th- that just doesn't happen to him in a season. Now, some other teams, it could happen, but double did two touchdowns, three touchdowns. He, I, he certainly doesn't get beat by three touchdowns. You know, but I don't know if Belichick is getting beat by, by two touchdowns. I, I'm going to say double 10 points. I'm not even going to say two touchdowns. You know, he, he, he's, his team is just always prepared. And, and it's interesting that, you know, we, we want to harp on, this, on the spy gate. But, and I, I can't let it go. It happened. It, it's, it's history. It's factual. It happened. So it's, there is a little asterisk there. But that should not tarnish the man. He, he, the Spygate happened one time. He got caught. But I'm telling you, and I've told you before, that people do that. Coaches, I mean, why do you think coaches are on the sideline instructing players of what the next play is with something covering their mouth? Can you read their lips from the stands? So what makes you think the guy across the field can read his lips? It's not. It's that they know there's other camera angles and things of that nature that the other team may pick up. So they cheat. And they try to get whatever edge they possibly can. But I, I, I couldn't think that, you know, this is too, you know, from one extreme to the other stream in terms of the approach of the coaches. I think vicariously Pete Carroll plays the game through his players. He, he's out there, you know, it doesn't surprise me, and I've said this before, that he has a Richard Sherman on his team. You know, on the other hand, it doesn't surprise me, you know, the players that Belichick has on his team. They, they're, they're almost like offsprings of the coaches. And so as, as you see this game coming up, Chef Julian, I'm not going to ask you to pick because we'll, we'll pick our, our favorites next week. Yeah, I don't. But, <laughs> but, but you've already said who yours is. So, so going into this game, do, do you see this game of which, and I think there's a lot of people at the beginning of the season, you know, felt that this would be the Super Bowl. I, don't, I think there's very few people who are surprised you know, that these two teams made it. Now, the only reason why I'm surprised is because it's hard to come back two consecutive years. It's just hard to come back year after year and, and play at that level. So many things have to go right, and they did uh, with the Seattle Seahawks, with the exception of two guys in the secondary got hurt in this game, uh, and I hope they're going to be ready uh, for the um, Super Bowl. But certainly, injuries play a big part. When you don't have injuries, chances are you've got a chance to, to repeat and get better. When you have injuries, then sometimes you don't. And that goes to, again, the National Football League being thin and, you know, excellent players. And sometimes that guy, that, that second guy on the, on the roster isn't as good as, as the starter he's replacing. So going into this game, it sounds to me like you're giving the edge to the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm going to ask you why, Chef Julian. Why are you giving that edge to the Seattle Seahawks? I just think the Seahawks are more uh, are more physical. You know, they have they have that defense that defense that just shuts you down. That just does not let you get enough. You get you can get the catch. You'll get the catch, but you won't get far. You'll get the handoff, but you won't get far. That's that. That's the type of defense that you want in your on your Super Bowl team. That's the type of defense that you want every game for every, any situation. I mean, I I look at this Ravens. I look at this uh, Seahawks defense. I'm sorry, and I think of the Ravens 
back when they won the Super Bowl, when they had, you know, Rod Woodson and they had uh, Ray Lewis and uh, Deion Sanders. Like, that defense is the type of defense that you want. That defense that does not let you score. Like, you're, like you might get yards on us, but you won't get that uh, touchdown. Like, they won't let you score. And that's the type of defense that I want to see. And that's the type of defense that I think I'm going to see out of the Super Bowl, uh, out of the Super Bowl team. And uh, I just think that it's because of that defense and because of that uh, guy they have running that ball, beast mode. I think those two combinations are just going to be hard to stop uh, the uh, Seahawks from winning this thing again. Well, well, well certainly, uh, and again, a beast mode like Russell, he showed up when he needed to show up. Uh, he was having a, a pretty tough game early on. You know, I, I think that, that the Packers were, you know, they were prepared to try to stop the run, and they did when they could. And then when they couldn't, when he took it over, he turned it on to beast mode, you know, just put it in the fifth gear. He showed that he can catch the ball. He, he can get out in space and make some things happen. Uh, but but certainly, I'm going to give credit to you for your acknowledgement of that defense and, and what it is about that defense you like. This is something I can take back to 1979. Ooh, yeah, way back then. I can tell you that Pete Carroll has not changed in his coaching philosophy. And Pete Carroll feels that everybody should run to the football. He, Pete doesn't want – Pete. I can tell you, I can go to a film study and I guarantee you, Pete is not looking to see one person tackled by one person. That would piss him off if a tackle was made and only one person was on the tackle, with the exception of the balls thrown downfield. You know, he wants everybody running to the ball. He wants everybody to be good tacklers. That's the thing about it. And you mentioned that is those yak yards, yards after contact. That's the most important. That's when the person is able to stretch and get that extra first down. That that happens so many times. You see those guys lunging forward. When they lunge forward, if nobody's running to the ball, they're going to get that extra inch, that extra yard that they need. But if you're running to the ball, you're pulling that person back. You're wrapping him up. You're holding him. You're stopping him right there on a the dime. And that's the most important thing. You keep him in front of you. You make sure he don't get behind you, but you, lo- you, you let them get. You're not going to necessarily stop them from catching every pass. You're not going to necessarily stop them from attempting to run. But to have positive plays, that's what you, you want to have negative plays, and then you want there to be zero yards after contact. And that is, that is a stat that they've been keeping now for years. It's like after that person either has handed that ball off or caught that ball and he is contacted by a defensive player, does he gain any yards after that? And if he's gaining yards after contact, chances are that's a statistic. That's not going to be in your favor, and you're not going to win the game. But we got to give Bill Belichick some credit. And again, he's going to give you Tom Brady all day long. They're going to try to run the ball all day long. He, Gronk, he's he's going to that tight end. You're going to get 60 minutes of that tight end. You know what you're going to get from the New England Patriots. And you know what you're going to get from the Seattle Seahawks. That's what I like about this game. Is you know, like you said, Seattle's not going to change. New England's not going to change. So what you've seen is what you're going to get. Now it's just going to be a matter of the will of the men. Whose will is going to be strong enough to get a victory? And that, my friends, we're going to have to wait a couple weeks. But we do have this weekend coming up. Not this weekend. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Pro Bowl. 
Yeah, going to have some good time here in Phoenix, Arizona. In case you haven't had, you haven't heard about it, I don't know where you've been. The Pro Bowl was here, so be on the lookout. I, they still got tickets. Fly on out here to Phoenix. The weather's great. Have a good time. But I'll tell you what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to end this show. And next week, as I said, Chef Julian, we're going to make our picks. I'm sure you got yours. You may change your mind between now and then. I doubt it, but we'll certainly see. I'd like to thank Chef Julian for joining me on the show. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. And this time, I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. I'm out. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.